0: Intelligent innovation, stylish brilliance, that's Groa, maker of innovative faucet and showering products. Renowned worldwide for their exquisite and beautiful German engineering, their modern and cosmopolitan style, and their intuitive performance and sustainability, Groa products feel like they were designed just for you. You can turn up your shower experience with Groa Smart Control, the latest in shower customization technology. Yes, that's right, shower customization technology. Smart Control lets you manage up to three bath and shower functions with one seamless control. These are absolutely stunningly designed. They declutter your shower, they elevate your shower experience at the same time. They are stunning. You really have to check these out online. Uh, fully personalize your shower experience with this intuitive preset temperature and volume control of Smart Control. Only then will you experience what it's really like to take a truly joyful, amazing shower. You can learn more about Growa Smart Control at groa.us slash hive. That's spelled G-R-O-H-E dot U-S slash hive. You know how to spell hive. Once again, growaus slash hive. Go check out their I mean, stunningly beautifully designed Growa Smart Control for your shower. I just ordered one and cannot wait to check it out. Welcome to Inside the Hive. I have a very special guest today. Uh, and she's actually never been on the show before, but she has because yesterday we recorded this entire show and I screwed up and it didn't actually record. So, Tina, welcome back.
1: Thank Even you. Even though
0: this is your first time. Tina, can you tell our lovely guests who you are and why you have to go through this painful experience again?
1: Um, so, I am a reporter for The Hive. I was doing a lovely job yesterday explaining the Kavanaugh nomination and everything seemed great. And then Nick slacked me in the middle of the night saying, hello, my children messed up the recording device. So let's relive the horror of explaining the Kavanaugh nomination again.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's relive the horror of explaining the Kavanaugh nomination well, again. You know so what? Well, let's just do it. Yep. I
1: mean, you know what? It's actually fine now because it seems like the... We were taping in the middle of their negotiation for getting Christine Ford, who's the um, accuser on the witness stand. Now it's 12 p.m. on a Friday, and everything seems to have shaken out. Everything is chill now. Everything has been determined. So we're in a much better position. We might have a a more civil, relaxed conversation this time around.
0: Tina, there's no way you and I are going to have a civil conversation, but we will give it an attempt. Okay, so... I, in the course of this podcast, the news may change again, but let's just give them the lay of the land here. So we've got Kavanaugh, who was supposed to be sworn in Monday. Is that right? He that was going to be the day that he was going to become the next Supreme Court nominee, I mean justice. Or
1: uh, yeah, before uh, Ford made the allegation and went public, she, uh, they were trying to rush Kavanaugh out of the Senate Judiciary Committee, put him on the floor, get him get a vote, and since. It's just a majority rule at this. It was just a majority vote at this point. They were going to get fifty-one votes, and Kavanaugh would have now been sitting on the Supreme Court with Gorsuch. Um,
0: Okay, so let me ask you a question. So um, we're going to get to what's going to happen with Ford and the accusations and and Kavanaugh and everything. But the question that has been burning through my mind is: Is this? Let's just say hypothetically. Let's just give the dream case scenario that uh, that. Kavanaugh says, you know what, I did it, or or the, the 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 committee says he did it, and two people or one person or somebody says, you know what, I can't vote for this guy out of out of good conscience. I know that is a total hypothetical for the Republican Party, but let's just pretend. Is there a world in which the um, to play this out that the uh, that they have to then nominate someone else and because it takes so long to get the nomination through and get all the paperwork and so on and then the Democrats win in the midterms that they could actually stall a Supreme Court justice in the same way that uh, that it was done to to the Democrats?
1: It's fairly easy to do that. Unfortunately, there isn't much incentive for the Republicans to do so. The, Got it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they campaigned on the premise that they are not a do-nothing Congress, that they are getting things done, which uh, they really haven't. They haven't repealed the Affordable Care Act. They can't really campaign on making a tax cut happen. And the first time they managed to get a Supreme Court justice nominated Gorsuch, it's because they smashed all the rules and got him and like shoehorned him past the Democrats. This time, if they can't do that, then it's a really bad look for them. So Trump Definitely said Trump. Um, according to our colleague Gabe Sherman, was telling people, "Look, if Kavanaugh doesn't get nominated, I don't really care too much. I've got maybe five or six other just um, judges that I could pull from, and it's not too much of a loss. It's just that they want a win before the midterms, and they can't really put forward a nomin- They can't really put forth another person within." The oh, my God, I think we're around 40 days out from the midterm. So it it's a it's a very tight window they have to work with. And within that window, it's going to be really difficult. And it also depends on how prolonged the hearings about Ford and Kavanaugh grow. And it seems like the after uh, yesterday when we talked, the Ford team and the Senate Republicans on the judiciary team had a conversation uh, she's open to testifying. It would probably be next week, unlike the Monday deadline that the Republicans arbitrarily imposed. So,
0: and so, so if it's next week, so she let's just say she testifies Thursday. Um, uh, One quick question on that. So uh, I I read that that she was trying to, she wanted to make sure that she would be safe. And these hearings, if they're public, they're open to the public. How do you ensure that you don't have hecklers and people throwing things at her and and so on uh, in a situation like that?
1: So when a high-profile Senate committee hearing happens, there's a lot of security in Congress. You have to go through metal detectors. You get uh, wanded. You... Have to wait in line to get in the commit to be a public witness to the hearings. It's first come, first serve, and you can have like lines out the door from committee hearing rooms. But there's normally a um, there are normally tons of security guards and I doubt that it's going to get too dramatic, but they can easily remove people from the room for being disruptive. If there's anything you can say about the Senate is that they are really big sticklers for decorum, unless your name is Cory Booker.
0: (laughs) Unless your name is Cory, vegan Cory Booker. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... um, So in the last 24 hours, I mean, it's like it's just insane how quickly the news cycle changes. But in the last 24 hours, um, it's funny because last night I was reading an article in CNN about how uh, uh, Trump's aides have been shocked at how polite and kind he has been to Ford. Uh, Usually he's a total asshole and. Uh, attacks people, um, especially women. And yet he's been, you know, been quite nice. Except today, of course, he came out uh, and did a little tweet storm, which wasn't very nice. Uh, Is this just Trump losing his patience as per usual? Or is this some sort of secret strategy that my brain is not well equipped enough to understand?
1: There's this report that came out from Axios this morning, where they quoted two people close to Trump as saying, we need him to stay quiet. It's been really hard to for, to get him to stay quiet. All we need to do is have him shut up for forty eight hours, and then everything will be fine. And then three hours after that report comes out, Trump tweeted that Kavanaugh should, you know, release a police report that he that she filed. Not Kavanaugh. Ford should release a police report that she filed after something horrific such as that happened to her. Uh, I. Just given the politics of sexual assault back in the 1980s, there's no way that such a police report exists because, I mean, women back then were not – women even now are afraid to come forward to make these allegations. And I don't think that kind of documentation exists.
0: Well, and she also, the other thing that's so fascinating is, is, you know, when you look at the reports from Ford herself, um, the first piece in the New York Times and the Washington Post about this was, and the stuff we reported too, has been that, you know, she didn't even tell her husband until 2012. They were in therapy together. And, and that was when she said that she had had this experience that had traumatized her and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and she couldn't be in a room unless there was an exit door and, and, you know, all these things. And so, of course, she wouldn't, there wouldn't be a police report and it, what's so frustrating is that it's just a typical Donald Trump moronic thing to say who has no comprehension of what a woman must feel like to have gone through that uh he just you know all he gives a shit about is um is getting his people through and and so on um all right let's let's move on to how so you cover for listeners out there uh Tina covers the a lot of the alt-right, and even used to write for a couple of right-wing publications. Uh, and one of the things I've been really fascinated by is how they have been kind of the mouthpiece for the GOP in attacking Ford. I mean, I, I wrote a, a piece um, a couple of years ago about Theranos, the blood testing company that is now completely defunct. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that was so interesting was... Uh, Theranos would go after anyone they went after John Kerry, the reporter from the journal when he uh, first wrote his pieces on them they um Oh, hold on, that was my dog. <laughs> um, Pixel, come over here. Uh, they went after uh, John Carou. they um, uh, they 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 would attack anyone, but they didn't attack the widow of the scientist who committed suicide. And the reason for that is because they told me uh, off off the record on the background, they told me, we can't go after a widow, you know, that's the there's a rule, there's a line, and it also appears that you can't go after someone who has been sexually assaulted, even if you are the GOP. So tell us a little bit about what the approach has been for the Republicans working with their right-wing counterparts in the media to kind of go after Ford, and if it's working or backfiring or what.
1: There is a really weird dynamic that they have to walk right now, in that You can't really doubt Ford's account. It's pretty detailed and it's a horrible thing to publicly state that, especially since she initially didn't want to come forward anyways. So what they've been trying to establish, and it's turned into a massive conspiracy theory, is that Ford had been sexually assaulted that night at the party, but it wasn't Kavanaugh. It was probably a doppelganger or someone who looked like Kavanaugh, and she had just gotten confused about the person's identity. It's it's a, it's a...
0: Which is batshit insane, but keep going.
1: This is not just something that's floating around on places like Gateway Pundit or Breitbart. It's, it's actually being pushed forward by people in the Washington Post, Kathleen Parker, who's one of their uh, resident conservative columnists. There is a uh, huge... Twitter thread that got deleted from the president of the Ethics and Public Policy Council. His name's Ed Whelan. He's a really well-regarded um, political figure from the Bush era who's actually very close to Kavanaugh. And on Thursday, he made he wrote this long tweet thread that relied on Google Maps and like photos of houses and blueprints that proved that there was one house that the three people who were definitely at that party went to, but it couldn't have been Kavanaugh because he lived some at X location, but there was another guy at Y location who lived close by and went to school with Kavanaugh and that could have and he looks exactly like Kavanaugh and that could have been him.
0: I it was I that, I saw that thread. It was the most insane thing. And then when I realized that it came from someone who is consulting with Kavanaugh, it made me think. Well, maybe Kavanaugh is one thousand percent guilty. And uh, and holy shit, I cannot believe they actually published that. Um, it it seems like so it, that it was deleted. It was it deleted because the guy who posted it, Whelan, could have actually broken the law by doing what he did or was it deleted because it, there was a backfire? Like, what 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 happened there?
1: Well, he deleted it because he actually named the guy. He literally named, he like, every single piece of information in that thread could have easily pointed to whoever this person is, but then Whelan just went out and said, hey, it's so-and-so. I can prove it. Here's a photo of him from when he was 18 or something. Uh, and people just went, Nuts over that. Even people on the right, they just called him out and said, look, that's completely irresponsible and amoral for you to make accusations like that. So he went, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to delete that. But you can't undo making that accusation or laying out that evidence. And unfortunately, I read a Politico article from this morning saying that it's it, it's actually a theory taking that's taken been uh, given credence by people on the right because of Whelan's reputation. Um, as a NRO, as a National Review writer, as the president of that um, council, it's – they're like, you know what? This is plausible secretly.
0: Well, but even Whelan said at the end of his – his which – at the end of his tweet storm, he said, to be clear, I have no idea what, if anything, did did or did not happen in the bedroom at the top of the stairs and therefore do not state imply – I mean, it was like – even he knows that what he did was wrong, and what and 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 by pushing this forward, okay. So we we've seen a lot of of this kind of you know BS going around. This, this you know crazy intense reporting that is completely inaccurate. There was a piece earlier this week where um, I forget which outlet published it, but there was a piece that s- suggested that the the entire reason for uh, for Ford going after Kavanaugh's, because Kavanaugh's mother was the judge who evicted uh, Ford from Ford's parents from their family home. There was another piece um, going out there saying that uh, there's other backstories here between the, the families. Can you tell us a little bit about those and and how they've been received and and are those coming from the top? Are they? Is this the is this the GOP pushing this agenda in the same way that Theranos couldn't go after the widow, they're being able to go after the sexual assault victim by um, by leaking things to the media?
1: It could have been either way. I mean, the the GOP has an excellent oppo research team, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were digging through all of these old files saying, OK, here's something that kind of relates to blah, blah, blah. Um, and then passing it on to a right wing blogger or a right wing me- or a right wing media outlet or journalist, but you also can't underestimate the extent to which right wing journalists and bloggers will try to connect dots in order to put in order to cobble together a certain narrative. So the way that these um, rumors and theories started getting floated was because smaller level right-wing sites like say Grabian would put together these theories and link to a couple of uh public records but ignore crucial pieces of context uh, for instance the there was a uh, thing floating around for a while saying that Christine Ford had terrible reviews from rate my student com. the thing is is that the report was based on a uh, page for Christine A Ford, who is also a college professor in Northern California, but the accuser's name is Christine B Ford. Um, the thing is, is that that uh, that report remained up for a while. Right wing sites have a tendency to try to claim responsibility by adding a disclaimer at the top or maybe the bottom, but they will leave the piece up. And even if they take it down, the theory is already out there. There um their followers and their readers will just you know sc- it would have just like scattershot through the universe by that point you can't take it back unless you go around yeah. saying hey i'm wrong please everyone take that down i'm wrong which never really happens
0: there's a uh, it's re- it's funny there's a really funny um uh, piece on uh deadspin at talking about Nike and Twitter and social media and the right and so on. And and uh, the description, which I thought was really brilliant, of Twitter was, if you aren't familiar with how Twitter works, each morning somebody posts something stupid, the rest of Twitter takes turn pummeling this person into submission, then we forget what we were mad about and do it all over again the next day. <laughs> but, but we do remember, which is incredible, uh, and props to the writer who wrote that, uh, which is incredible, but what we do remember is that... Um, uh Is that these things, when it comes to politics and the right versus the left they they stick around for a long time, and one of the things that i 'm i 've always been curious about uh, and you are by far the only person that I know who could answer this question, considering you did used to live in this world is on the left you get people who in the media who have an agenda there's no joke there's no there's no query this this is this is a real thing there are people at every institution every organization from the new york times and washington post down to smaller blogs to you know people at vanity fair condé whatever you name it there are, everyone has and i've always believed this you everyone has a viewpoint on something and you cannot take that away um it may not you, you may not have a story on the front page of the Washington Post that's you know that where the reporter's saying I think Trump's an idiot, but that person may be able to kind of push through the quote by the person that says that. And um, and and when it when you look at the right wing media, um, I what where I struggle is I can't tell if people on the right are more concerned with getting their viewpoint through, or if they're more concerned with getting more attention? Because they often just throw incendiary bombs into social media and into the universe with the hope of being pummeled so that they can get more attention. For them, it doesn't upset them. But can you tell us, I mean, is it, is it about the issues or is this about fame?
1: At this point, I feel like it's completely – it's not even interchangeable. It's just tied together. You can't really extract one uh, motive from the other. I think – and a lot of it has to do with the way that right-wing journalism was begun to – even, like, decades and decades ago. Like, the reason that National Review exists is because William F. Buckley at one point said, look, there are – Liberal viewpoints being espoused by the media. I believe that these guys are ruining America with their godless communism and whatnot. So, the National Review, which he founded, there's a famous quote that he said when he established the magazine, which was, We are going to stand athwart history yelling, Stop. And they do pretty hmm. good journalism, but everything that came after the National Review was intended to, you know, report, but with the idea of advocating a conservative viewpoint in mind. And from my own personal experience, when you mentioned that I came up through the conservative media farm, it really is a farm. Like my first uh, internship in journalism didn't come from me, you know, knocking on someone's door saying, hello, I would like an internship. I got accepted to this libertarian program called the Institute for Humane Studies and they offered scholarships to young journalists but those journalists one had to prove that they had libertarian pro freedom viewpoints and two every recipient had to go to a seminar where we would you know attend lectures and have discussions on free market economics and freedom of speech and pr- prison reform stuff like that and you know what? If you're a young journalist and someone gives you three thousand dollars to be a reporter for the summer, you're gonna take it. And if they're gonna offer you a week long seminar at Swarthmore College to hang out with a bunch of nerds and Kevin Williamson, yeah, you're gonna take that too. So they get you young.
0: Well, and they and and they they make sure it's almost like they're if you leave, they'll come after you and destroy you and try to ruin everything. But. It it's yeah, it's just I've, so fascinating.
1: I've, I've been called a cuckass many times.
0: You, you're the first person to ever say that word on the podcast. Congratulations. Ding 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 ding. Sweet. Um it's no what what's so f- interesting to me is uh, you know, I came of age as a reporter at the Times and there was no Daily Caller or uh um or even Breitbart uh when I started there. And there were right-wing newspapers and right-wing magazines and left-wing newspapers and left-wing magazines. And they, for the most part, played by the rules. They, of course, always went too far in one direction or another. And, um, you know, let's not forget every news outlet on the planet has a a correction section where they put all their mistakes that they made the day before. But what's it's just been so fascinating to watch just in the last two years, two, three years with the rise of Trump, how uh the game is just it's it's just changed and it just it appears there are people out there who all they want is the attention of um of being attacked or attacking they don't care if they get it right they don't care if they get it wrong uh and they just want to they just want to throw vitriol out out into the universe and hope it gets them some more followers
1: right And you kind of see the base of that back uh, when you look at conservative talk radio. Like, magazines were pretty hard to – it was hard with magazines to push your ideas into the public because you have to, you know, find subscribers, send out mailers, get people to keep reading you. Um, Radio was a much easier way for conservatives to – reach millions and millions of people at once but it's a pretty limited format and you have to search out Rush Limbaugh say instead of having him come to you or like even Fox News it took a while for them to build up an audience too the beauty of the internet though as all of these uh right-wing publishers have told me was that the cost of entry uh, the entrance costs were so low and the audience you could reach was so vast in comparison that you could just immediately jump online start a blog Get famous and keep push and keep pushing your ideas out while also getting famous. It's kind of you need one in order to achieve the other. So that's why you have a lot of white right wing websites and news sites that are founded by specific pundits and individuals. You never see a natu- You never see a site grow from the ground up these days that isn't based on someone like that. So, uh, for instance, The Blaze was founded by Glenn Beck um daily caller famously started by tucker carlson breitbart was started by andrew breitbart Uh, i could really go on for a long time about who started what
0: you're listening to inside the hive
1: with nick bilton
0: if you like me are struggling to get sleep at night then i have a solution for you the fine people at mattress firm want to help you First of all, you're going to have to turn off your phone. You're going to have to stop reading the news before you go to sleep. But second of all, you're going to have to get a new mattress. And the folks at Master's Firm are here for you when you're looking to improve your sleep. These people are mattress experts. And they're not just mattress experts. They can help you build your bed from headboard to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have bedroom decor. Beautiful, beautiful bedroom decor. They have the best bedroom decor there is, actually. You should check them out online. First of all, they've got you covered literally and figuratively, but if you go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, you can save 10% off when you get the, use the code PODCAST10. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0. Go to mattressfirm.com and use the code PODCAST10 and you get 10% off. Mattress Firm offers a 120-night sleep trial, so you can rest assured that you'll love your mattress or you'll get your money back, and they also have a 120-night low price guarantee. So if you get your beautiful mattress and you're sleeping really well, but you wake up in the middle of the night, you have to go to the bathroom, and you check your phone, and you decide to look at mattress prices, and at 119 days later, you see a price that's less expensive, Mattress Firm will give you the money back and match your price. With more than 3,000 stores nationwide, not only are they in your backyard, but this means that they are probably... Probably right around the corner and you can get your 10% savings in cash when you go into a store so go to slash podcast and start sleeping better tonight do do, do all these right wing folks get along with each other or do they do they get jealous or do they you know just just tucker like Sean Hannity does uh, you know, to the the folks at Breitbart, like the people at Daily Caller, or is there is there healthy competition or or real competition, or do they ever eat their own?
1: They tend to eat their own, but it really depends on who. Like, if you hang out with a bunch of Breitbart journalists and Daily Caller journalists in the same room, they're gonna get along. They're gonna be like, hey, you know what? We're on the same side here. Liberal media is trying to come after us. Uh, let's stick together and get really drunk. Um, specific figures, though, people will go after them if they think that they're trying to promote a different vision of conservatism that they don't like. Uh, So there's a really big beef between Ben Shapiro and Steve Bannon, for instance. Um, Let me see if I can explain this super quickly. When Steve Bannon was chairman of Breitbart, Ben Shapiro was editor at large there. They didn't really butt heads until the Michelle Fields incident, which back in 2016, Trump's campaign manager shoved a Breitbart reporter. It blew up into a giant feud. Ben Shapiro left the site and everyone at Breitbart started ragging on uh, Ben Shapiro. And they continue to do so to this day because he's promoting a view of conservatism that might be more anti-Trump but if you ask any conservative what they think of Ben Shapiro they're like oh he's just trying to be respectable among liberals by saying he's a conservative but also criticizing Trump he's just trying to get attention um incidentally Ben Shapiro also runs his own right-wing news site called the Daily Wire so there you go
0: and well and also Ben Shapiro has a podcast and he goes on TV and he's it's all it's the Ben Shapiro show all the time uh um just like the rest of 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 all those people in media that wanted to be the Ben Shapiro show, I mean, it's it's you know, it's just. Uh, I I my my big question, and I don't think it's an answerable question, is um, how this all plays out. I mean, you in the early days of radio, for example, there were um, everyone got these towers they had these towers in their backyard and they had their own little radio shows and and it was there was no rhyme or reason you didn't know what an ad was or what an ad wasn't you didn't know what was real and what wasn't and eventually of course the fcc fcc was created and you had rules that were put in place and we eventually ended up with a system where we had a few dozen radio channels and there were rules and regulations and you couldn't curse and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that and um uh now we find ourselves kind of back in the same situation where you have a million different blogs and uh, and websites and social media outlets and video channels and this that and the other, and you don't know what the hell's going on, kind of like you didn't a uh, hundred years ago. And and um, and I just wonder: is this the new normal? Are we is is the new normal just pure and utter chaos every day, uh, where you know the truth kind of bubbles up to the top in the froth, or is it going to kind of flatten itself out a little bit eventually when we get rid of Trump, if we ever get rid of Trump?
1: Oh, that is a really hard question to answer. Thank you for that one, it's Nick. Kind
0: of an It's kind of an unanswerable question, but it's the thing I think about a lot. So I don't know if you have a viewpoint on it or...
1: I think... Hmm... I think you know that my opinion on this is: please drop the EMP and get rid of the internet.
0: Oh, I, I'm I'm in complete agreement with that.
1: But that's impossible, and it would also cause massive societal collapse. So, um,
0: <laughs> maybe not a bad thing.
1: You said that, not me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. In all seriousness. Trump has been the impetus for this, for fake news and right wing media to come to the forefront, honestly. And I don't think they're going to go away, but I don't think they will be as strong or as prominent as they are now unless they find another figurehead to coalesce behind. That's pretty hard. It's really difficult to get all of these cats in one bag, essentially. Steve Bannon was trying for a really long time. Uh, after he left the White House, but that didn't particularly go very well. And he's having a hard time doing that in Europe as well. So there has to be one powerful figurehead for them to fall behind. Back in the day, I think Reagan was a pretty good one. but But Reagan was also far more civil and good at, you know denouncing people who didn't particular who he thought completely opposed what it meant to be an uh, opposed what it meant to be an American. Uh Trump does not do that. So if you want to support the Trump agenda, you have to accept that he is a bore and quasi racist, pretty racist, um and will do some pretty horrific things. But, okay, so yeah, but I, you can't I, really you can't really exist with Put the
0: genie back in the bottle yeah exactly okay but here's the question and then we're going to move back to Kavanaugh um uh and then I have a few questions and then we'll let you get back to your 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 real job <laughs> and hopefully we won't have to record this for a third time um but uh one of the things that I, that is is has become evident to me when I look at history and I listen to some of these podcasts and watch these documentaries and read books about historical politics and so on is that everything is a reaction to something else? Uh, there is nothing that comes out of just out of nowhere. It is all a response to something else, and it's that's essentially the way technology works too. You know we develop a technology like cell phones, for example. And we're like, these things are amazing. Uh, and then people start driving around and texting on their cell phones and getting into accidents and killing each other. And then we're like, Oh, whoa, we have to develop a technology that fixes that problem that we created with that technology. And so we start doing driverless cars and sensors and cars that can pay attention and, and do not disturb on our phone. And and then there will be something that happens as a result of driverless cars. And we'll build another technology to solve that problem. And it feels like politics is the exact same way. You know, the uh, The Trump administration is a direct response to the Obama administration, which is a direct response to the Bush administration and all the policies and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a pendulum swinging back and forth. And yet, if it wasn't, and, and yet there are all these little side tentacles on, as a result of that, if, if it wasn't for the Trump administration, if Trump had not have been... Uh, voted into power, even though he technically wasn't completely voted in. But if he had not have taken over as president, we would no, have no Me Too movement. There would, it would have made no sense to have a Me Too movement with Hillary Clinton as president. And so we have that as a response. So the question I have is, if if you think that the right-wing media, which is incredibly powerful today, is there's a chance that it it may kind of temper a little bit if we end up, if the Democrats end up winning in the midterms, doesn't it embolden them to be even more aggressive? And if they end up winning, if the Democrats, and when I say them, I mean the right wing media, and if the Democrats end up winning in uh, 2020, uh, th- the same, doesn't the same thing happen? Doesn't it just make them more powerful and stronger?
1: I mean, that's how they got power during the Obama administration anyway. So that's a completely plausible thing that you proposed. It could also break them, but it really does depend on whether they can find an enemy to go against. And with that said, I think it's – I think that's really going to depend on how the Democrats identify in the future. And as of now, they don't really know. There are – a huge progressive movement um, afoot and like, embodied by like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders. And it's really easy for Republicans to get behind. OK, no, we have to stop this progressive nonsense immediately. Right wing sites go nuts over that prospect. If the republic, if the Democrats um, however, elect more centrist figures, however, which seems to be the case in the midterm primaries, then they're going to have a harder time. They could probably yeah. retread, they could probably go back to the, oh, look, it's Obama-Clinton-era politics all over again. The powerful people are just, you know, trying to exert their Sorosian powers. That That's a bit of a, that's that's a retread. People, if you want to build a right-wing movement, you have to find bigger enemies, worse enemies, um, more democracy-threatening enemies. And... Playing the same battle over and over and over again is not particularly their strength
0: interesting well i I hope that i, I and i don't say this just about the right wing media but I hope that the, the left wing media too i just I just hope that everyone I, not that they come to their senses because that's impossible, but the people who click on them come to their senses and and uh, because that's the power that we have is the same way in the same way you get to vote you also get the power of clicking and um and uh, you know after trump won i was like okay i need to understand what it is these right-wing people are are reading and writing and so on and then i halfway through i was like what am i doing it's just it's such nonsense i can get a right-wing viewpoint by reading more mainstream outlets that are more balanced and uh, more factual Um, so hopefully, I don't know, we'll we'll, see.
1: Wait, so when you say right-wing viewpoints, do you mean right-wing viewpoints that are acceptable by the standards of the New York Times or right-wing viewpoints? No, I mean right-wing
0: viewpoints that are, that are acceptable by the standards of me. And, and, and I think that, you know, uh, I forget the guy's name, the one that was, that was in the White House, the young kid with the glasses, who who was, uh, um, was he pushed out? Him, does, I I forget Uh, the name of the website. Yeah, Lucian, Lucian um, Wintrich.
1: Yeah, uh, Gateway pundits.
0: Yeah. Gateway pundit. Like I, I read Gateway pundit a few times, and then I was like, "This is—it's just made up." I mean, I know people that have been written about, it, and they never once fact-checked anything. It's completely inaccurate, and it's just why would I give that person a click that then results in more advertising dollars for them? And and the same with Breitbart. Like I, you know, I, I read it quite religiously after after Trump won, and then there was a point where I was like. What am I doing? these These stories are just comp- I mean and they're things that I've covered where I know the people that I have written about, text stories, political stories and and it's just there's no facts. it's just let's just write this thing because that's what we believe or that's what we want to say we believe or whatever and um and it's that stuff that I hope that goes away, and I hope it, it goes away on the left too I I, I I think it's bad for society on both sides. That's my two cents
1: mm. Anyway. Anyways. All
0: right. So I have, uh, um, so let's move back to Kavanaugh um, a few more minutes here. And we'll let you, and we'll let you escape. So w- one of the things that is going to happen in the next few days is there's going to be a lot of back and forth. There's going to be a lot of editorials around Ford and Kavanaugh, and then there'll be a lot of dissection around the, um, the hearing and we're going to get to the hearing. But, but the question I have is there was a piece that came out yesterday in the Guardian from one of the, uh, Someone who helped Kavanaugh with his law clerks, and uh, and the person said that it was no accident that Brett Kavanaugh's female law law clerks all looked like models. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of stories that have come out uh, in the last week or so where there's sketchy stuff about this guy. There's you know you could never write this about Ruth. Ginsburg, like it's you couldn't there's no craziness other than she drinks green juice and does push-ups in the morning um that you could write about her or 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 pretty much anyone on the supreme court
1: right Scalia uh, was pretty squeaky clean Roberts is yeah. a friggin' choir boy
0: correct and um and I know Thomas has some issues from back in the day but 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 it's but in today's day and age, with the Internet and everything that comes out, um, it appears that it, it would be, it, that you would never get someone normally like this through. But when I look at all this craziness about Kavanaugh, it seems like he's a bad guy. And correct, am I wrong? Or is it just that I've read the wrong things, Or does he have some, some real demons in his closet?
1: Given all of the available evidence, I wouldn't sugge- I wouldn't say that you're wrong. There's a really like how on a, how on earth does he get money to spend tens of thousands of dollars for season tickets to the Nationals? How does he get away? Why is his reputation such that Yale law professors are saying, okay, you have to dress a certain way, and you have to look hot in order to become his clerk? And what the hell is going? And when um Ford and came forward with the uh allegation he immediately said i wasn't at that party and everyone went wait a second how do you know which party she's talking about that's interesting so there are all these little stumbles and things in his background that should raise issues and should raise at least several eyebrows but i don't know i think as long as people believe they have an ideological ally on the bench they'll do anything in order to push him through which is weird because you had reports about Mitch McConnell saying, "Look, this guy is a little sketchy. There are so many other people we could put on the bench who have the same viewpoints but less demons in their closet." And Trump for some reason went with Kavanaugh. So literally, I have no idea what's going on with that.
0: Well, I think Trump went probably went for Kavanaugh because, you know, slimy people like to like like people like themselves, right? I mean, he probably felt some camaraderie and i mean i do not look i think i'm sure kevin is i've read all the articles that he's a great dad and this that and the other but there is, just so is something the BTK about killer. him sorry what's that so
1: was the btk killer
0: well there you go that's a good point <laughs> there's just something about him that, that really just rubs me the wrong way and it's not a conservative thing it's it's just a this guy doesn't seem like he should be a Supreme Court justice, um, uh, which is my two cents. All right, well, we will find out what happens next week. So before I let you go, um, uh, and it is going to be a crazy week next week in the news, but uh, do you believe, you know, we can go to – let's go to Texas for a second, Beto O'Rourke. There's news today that Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz are now in a toss-up. Uh, do you think you know we we have seen and I've had pollsters on the show before that have their viewpoints on this but we've seen um, a lot of districts where you know they voted for Trump uh, 20 you know with 20 extra points uh, during the mid during the elections and when there's a um, a midterm election that comes up they, they, you know, the Democrats lose by just one point or something like that. Do you think that there's a chance that Beto O'Rourke can beat Ted Cruz, who is probably the most disliked senator there is, even by senators? Um, there's the great quote that someone could shoot Ted Cruz on the floor of the uh, of Congress and and no one would pretend that they knew what happened uh, or <laughs> that no is, one would care or call the cops or something. That is my um,
1: favorite Lindsey Graham yeah. quote ever.
0: Yeah. um, uh, And it's probably true. Um, Do you think that there's a scenario where O'Rourke actually pulls it off? Or is this just going to be one of those uh, us being too excited and at the last minute, you know, Ted Cruz wins by uh, one vote or something?
1: That's completely possible, honestly. Well, in the situation that Ted Cruz wins by one vote, that's still freaking scary for any Republican trying to gauge what 2020 is going to look like. Uh, in the case of this race, though, it's really a game of turnout. Like R- Beto O'Rourke right now has a bit of a problem with getting name recognition in the Hispanic community because they haven't really run into him as a politician. And they don't know that he can speak fluent Spanish. Ted Cruz cannot speak fluent Spanish, by the way. That's pretty funny. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, true. Beto O'Rourke actually challenged Cruz to a Spanish-language debate, and Cruz was just like, mm, no say. I, I, that's not important. <laughs> but, yeah, um, there's a huge— But is there a chance? There is a chance. There is a really big chance. One, it depends on what kind of polls you're looking at, and they are pretty inaccurate— or, like, not inaccurate, but they can be really iffy, as you said earlier, depending on who they um, reach out to, how they gather that data. But if he can get turnout in suburban areas and also win over Republican women who are slightly, who are like centrist and maybe a little bit more moderate, he could do this. He really could do this. It doesn't help that Ted Cruz and Donald Trump hate, the hel- hate each other a lot. And uh, Cruz literally had to send someone to beg Trump to go to Texas for him. It was that bad. And there are all these Republicans right, right now s- going around to donors saying, look, it's going to be a charisma game in this midterm. We're in danger of losing Texas because of a charisma gap, hint, hint, wink, wink.
0: Well, it's true. There's 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 no com- charisma there. I I look. I think that Ted Cruz deserves to lose not because of his viewpoints, um, his conservative viewpoints, but because he has a, a, about as much backbone as a worm, mm-hmm. and the fact that he he let Trump speak to, about his mother his wife and his father and attack them the way that they did and he didn't stand up to him i was at a um a trump rally once and 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 cruz was there a few months back and patting him on the back and it's just i i just think you know what you deserve to to lose dismally and embarrassingly and uh just because you have no backbone so that's my my opinion it's Um, the ted cruz way It's the Ted Cruz way. All right. uh, Last question for you. Um, uh, Do you think that the Democrats are going to win in the midterms and get back the House and maybe even some of the Senate? Or do you think that um, we are screwed?
1: I think they can win the House. There are, 40 Republic- there are 40 seats that the Republicans are vacating and the Democrats really only need to win 23 of them. Those are going to be in fairly moderate districts because they've all been abandoned by Republicans who looked at the way the winds were shifting and went, nope, I've got an R next to my name. I got to get out of here. I'm never going to get reelected. Um, the Senate still remains a weird game because all of there are a lot of uh, Democrat senators up for re-election, but they're also in states that went red. So Claire McCaskill is really is one of the biggest examples. Uh, I believe there's a no Dean Heller is a Republican. Um, I'll remember those. I'll remember who's up eventually. It's Friday. I haven't eaten lunch yet, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you do think there's a possibility.
1: There's a possibility. Yeah. It also really depends on how Kavanaugh shakes out. If there is a uh, – if any Republican goes to the mat for Kavanaugh in this – who is vulnerable, they have a pretty bi- – they're taking a really big gamble and they also risk alienating a lot of female Republican women – a lot of female Republican voters – Um so you really so yeah, we really need to keep an eye out on Kavanaugh, not just for who we're putting on a Supreme Court, but also how the midterms are going to end up. And that's a really gross thing to think about because we're talking about whether a woman was sexually assaulted or not. Yeah. Oh my God, I hate everything. <laughs>
0: Well, that should be the title of our podcast this week. I hate everything, but I think next week is going to be uh, fascinating. Uh, it, you know, the, the the Republicans are going to find themselves in a pretty difficult situation where they are going to have to essentially attack a woman who was sexually assaulted uh, on uh, national television. Did and, you, um, um,
1: hold on, did you read the uh, yeah. new report on how they're trying to figure out a way to avoid that, those optics?
0: No. What did they say?
1: Washington Post and the New York and NBC reported that they are looking to hire outside counsel to do the questioning. Specifically, they're trying to find a female litigator. To ask the Republicans questions, so that the eleven white men who comprise the GOP side of the Senate Judiciary Committee are not going to be seen interrogating a woman about her sexual assault. Can
0: they do that? Can they just bring someone else in to to do the to do the questioning at a, at a hearing like that?
1: Apparently, they can.
0: Wow. Yeah, the Democrats That's... would be
1: powerless to stop it.
0: And um, well, well, then well, then you'll have Kamala Harris. Uh, who you know for all her foibles is is an excellent litigator and uh, is probably going to hit it out of the park with this one. But we will we'll see. We will uh, see. It's only a few days away. Tina, thank you so much for joining us today uh, again, uh, <laughs> even though it's your first time. Uh, and thank you for listening.
1: Well, thanks for having me. And uh, of course, get ready for next week. It's going to be a doozy.
0: It's going to be a doozy. <laughs> all right. Thanks to my guest this week, Tina Nguyen. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick built-in you can find these on apple Podcasts, google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a fantastic glowing unbelievable review while you're there thanks to the photo cadence 13 for their production work thanks to my editors of vanity fair and thanks most of all to my sponsors groa and mattress firm please support them the same way you support this podcast and i will see you all next week after a crazy crazy week in the news